0: This is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, I'm glad you've joined us. Yesterday, Governor Gretchen Whitmer delivered her first state of the state address to the legislature. It was a speech that was sort of long, on big ideas, bigger ideas than we've heard in recent years at least. Uh, She had a few zingers in there as well, seemed to be in a good mood, uh, talking about things in a joking manner. Uh, But she really did focus on this idea of, Crisis around our infrastructure. She talked a lot about the roads, the bridges, the things that we are not taking great care of right now in Michigan. And she said that they're so bad right now that we are in crisis. Think about that word crisis. When we use that word, what does that mean? The president of the United States says we have a crisis along the southern border, for example. A lot of people don't agree with that. But Governor Whitmer says the cost of our terrible roads is handed down in big and unexpected chunks to drivers and that that is forming a crisis. We want to take a listen first today to Governor Whitmer uh, and what she said about this infrastructure crisis. And then we want to hear from Senate Majority Leader Mike Shirky, who says it's not a crisis. It's bad, but that that word doesn't apply to this situation. Let's first hear from Governor Whitmer.
1: That is money that could go toward childcare, rent, college
2: tuition, or retirement savings. We are fixing our cars and paying a road tax that doesn't even fix the damn roads.
0: A road tax that doesn't even fix the damn roads. One of the more inspired lines, in fact, in Governor Whitmer's speech uh, yesterday. But Senate Majority Leader Mike Shirkey says it's not yet a crisis. We have underinvested in, in the infrastructure in Michigan for four or five decades. I wouldn't call it a crisis. I call it a high, a high responsibility of us to begin to address it in a very real and sustainable way. So they're both talking about the need to address infrastructure and the need to do something different than what we've been doing for many many years here in Michigan. But they disagree on the terminology, I guess, to describe this situation. That's where we want to begin the conversation here in Detroit today uh, with this idea of infrastructure and Governor Whitmer's speech about infrastructure and many other things. Uh, of course, all hour we're going to want to hear from you. Did you watch the speech yesterday? What did you think of it? What did you think of the ideas she laid out uh, also what did you think of the prospect of those ideas being accepted by the republican legislature or being paid for there was a lot of uh, ideas that she talked about that are going to cost us money uh, and if uh, she can't convince republican legislators who have said they don't want to raise taxes in any way for anything if she can't convince them to go along how will any of this get done. As always, the number on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there, or you can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we'll work you into the conversation. Uh, Joining us now to talk more about the speech and the ideas in the speech is Angela Vasquez Giroux. She's a former journalist, sometimes political consultant, She worked for state Senate Democrats and is currently doing communications for Planned Parenthood of Michigan. Angela, welcome to Detroit Today.
2: Hey, thanks for having me.
0: Sure. And in a little bit, we're going to be joined also by Bill Nowling, who is a managing director and partner for Lambert Edwards and Associates. He's going to represent the right side of the political spectrum in this conversation. But uh, he is a little delayed by the roads this morning, which are not about uh, the infrastructure problem, but about the weather. Uh, but as soon as he gets here, we'll uh, join. We'll have him join the conversation. Uh, Angela, I want to start with you uh, and uh, tell me what you thought of Governor Whitmer's speech, first of all, but then talk about this idea of an infrastructure crisis, uh, something that she and Senate Majority Leader Mike Shirky seem to disagree about.
2: I think for the first time in at least eight years, we've heard um, a governor articulate a vision for Michigan where the the priority is on the people of the state, not on profits, not on politics. you know, for years, we've been hearing that if we cut taxes for businesses, then then we will get enough money to somehow fix the roads. Or if we invest in charter schools, somehow that will um, benefit public schools, when in reality, uh, those trickle down plans don't work. And I think you see that same approach with her now. Um, with respect to what really is an infrastructure crisis, I mean, if we you heard um, Majority Leader you say we've underinvested for four or five decades. That's true. If you took that approach to your house, you wouldn't have a house anymore. Uh, so to think of this as anything other than a crisis, I think is uh, is baffling to me.
0: Yeah. Um, at the same time, uh, she wasn't terribly specific about what she wants to do about that crisis. And I I, I think when you when you use that terminology. Uh, there's an expectation on the listener's part that you have a proposal, that you have uh, a set of ideas to, to, to address that crisis. She, she didn't go quite that far last night, and I wonder if, uh, if that left you wanting the way uh, it left me.
2: I think maybe we uh, has a different set of expectations. I usually look at these speeches as a chance for a governor to update us on the progress of their big ideas or to uh, give us some new big ideas, right? We usually don't get specifics. We certainly don't get funding specifics um, until the budget. Usually uh, we've had something different the last few years with governor Snyder, particularly because he's had a friendly legislature, including the supermajority in the Senate. So, I think strategically, uh, Governor Whitmer can't do the same thing that Governor Snyder could do in the past. She can't stand up and uh, articulate her entire plan down to the line item. in front of what really still is a hostile legislature for her.
0: Hmm. Uh, w- the the speech more generally, uh, you know, she seemed like she was in a pretty good mood uh, last night. And I thought that the legislature, uh, even though most of it is still Republican, seemed very receptive to some of the things that, that, that she was saying. Um, give us a sense of what you think that relationship is going to look like as we get uh, as you point out, uh, when we get the budget address a little later, um, you know, when she starts talking about these specifics that will divide them, is she laying ground now that will help her in those negotiations? Uh, and and was the speech last night an example of that?
1: Yeah, I think,
3: you know, even
2: the smaller uh, things, right, like talking about how, you know, she has children. Uh, Lee Chatfield's got kids. Jim has got kids. Mike shirkey has got Grandkids, these, you know, at the end of the day, uh, one thing that every Michigander has in common is that there are people they care about um, and that those people that the care for them doesn't um, is not a partisan issue. I think, you know, Governor Whitmer has um, served in the legislature most of the time in the minority party. So she's cultivated and known for, you know, 14 plus years that you can't get anything done if you're trying to go it alone. Um, She knows that certainly she's got great relationships with lots of city lawmakers right now. And, um, you know, primarily for as progressive as she is on a lot of issues, she's also very pragmatic. And she knows that the the things that the majority of the voters who voted for her care about are these issues that they see first and foremost that are not partisan. The roads are not partisan. High insurance rates, not partisan. Access to health care, not partisan. Those are the things that folks elected her to tackle, and those are issues that impact you no matter, you know, what party you affiliate with.
0: Uh, This is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and my guest is Angela vasquez Giroux. She's a former journalist, sometimes political consultant, and is currently doing communications for Planned Parenthood of Michigan. We're talking about Governor Gretchen Whitmer's initial State of State address, which happened yesterday in Lansing. Uh, In a little bit, we're going to be joined also by Bill Nowling, who is a managing director and partner of Lambert Edwards and Associates. Uh, He's going to bring a little bit of analysis from the right side of the political spectrum about the speech and the ideas in it. Uh, Meanwhile, we want to hear from you. Uh, What did you think of Gretchen Whitmer's first uh, State of the State address? What did you think of the ideas she laid out, the vision she laid out for leadership uh, from her administration over the next uh, year at least. Um, What did you think of the idea that uh, our infrastructure is in a crisis, Uh, something that she said very specifically uh, yesterday? Uh, Do you believe that? Do you believe that things are so bad with our roads and our bridges and tunnels uh, that the word crisis applies, or do you think that uh, maybe we're not quite in that uh, in that realm yet? As always, the number on the phones is three one three five seven seven one zero one nine. That's three one three five seven seven one zero one nine. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there, or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit today, and we'll try to work you into the conversation. Zoe on Twitter says uh, Michigan will remain in the bottom ten of everything so long as it remains among the states that tax their wealthy the least. To me, it's not let's raise taxes, it's let's steepen the progressive tax rate curve and tax the rich at least as much as better states do. Really interesting idea about how to pay for some of those ideas that uh, Governor Whitmer laid out yesterday. Uh, Let's go to the phones here. Um, We'll start with Michelle in Detroit. Michelle, welcome to Detroit Today.
1: Good morning. Hi there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm really glad, Stephen, that you pointed out the use of the word crisis. It's something I, I sort of flinch when I hear because uh, I do see Trump using that word. And, and we in Michigan know better than anyone that when you declare an emergency, sometimes it gives you power to subvert the democratic processes. And I do. I fear, you know, these laws are still on the books. Trump pays attention. I think that we have to be very careful what we call a crisis. And yet, I do understand the infrastructure is in terrible condition. I think that our crisis goes far deeper than the roads. It's it's the water infrastructure. It's it's everything. Um, It's people getting their water shut off, you know. So that being said, um, in terms of other ideas to to fund for it, um, I agree that we need to increase taxes on the wealthy. I also think What if we had a price floor on gas prices so that when we have them go below two dollars a gallon or, you know, low prices, we capture some of that in a rainy day fund that we can fund the infrastructure so that when gas prices go up later, Hmm. um, we're not trying to scramble after we're already um, having no money in our pockets. Yeah. I'd love to know if that's possible.
0: Michelle. Michelle. Uh, great, uh, great comments and and question there. Uh, Angela, I'll I'll give you a crack at this question about the gas tax. Uh, Is that a way to make sure that we have more money for roads?
2: I love Michelle's idea about um, the floor of the gas price. Mm -hmm. There's definitely got to be some type of fail safe built into whatever funding mechanism the legislature and the governor ultimately settle on we know that as cars become more fuel efficient and folks drive less uh, because they're finding alternate ways to transport themselves that uh that that won't continue to grow and fund as much as we want um i also think michelle's point was great about i'm sorry Zoe on twitter's point was great about the progressive tax um, you know we're at the end of eight years here of what happens when you believe you can run a government on no money hmm. Um, and the problem isn't that we don't have enough money in the state, it's that we're trying to squeeze it out of the wrong people. You know, we did have that nearly $2 billion tax shift from businesses onto the backs of, you know, regular...
0: Of individuals, right?
2: Yes. Yep. Teachers are paying more out-of-pocket for their students. I'm paying more out-of-pocket for everything. Um, it's expensive to be a working human in the state of Michigan right now, and it shouldn't be. Um, I think, you know, we've, we need... The right size pie and we need those pie slices to come from the right places and there will be enough funding um, but it's going to be a tough sell
0: mm-hmm. yeah i mean that that idea of changing the tax structure here in michigan is something that i know uh progressives have have for a long time pointed out is is a way to raise more revenue and uh, in general make things fairer i mean if you live in another state most other states that have uh, income tax it's not flat the way it is here uh, when I lived in Maryland, for instance, uh, uh, I paid a lot more tax than I do here uh, just because, uh, uh, you know, it, they had a progressive income tax. Um, uh, but you'd have to change the Constitution here, I believe, to do that. And uh, that's one of the things that, uh, <laughs> that, that makes it uh, more difficult than other things. Um, uh, but again, I really appreciate the call and the questions from uh, Michelle. Let's take one more call before we uh, break here. Uh, let's go to Adele in Dearborn. Adele, welcome to Detroit Today.
4: Hi, thanks for having me. Sure. So just because Michigan's infrastructure isn't in crisis for Mike Shirky doesn't mean that there isn't a crisis of PFOS in Benton Harbor, lead in the pipes in detroit and flint still and it's not just detroit and flint it's a crisis of austerity Mm -hmm. of divesting from infrastructure so that bondholders can make money but we all have to pay the price also gm got billions of dollars in tax credits i believe these were the mega credits Mm -hmm. and but they didn't keep their promises. They're closing four plants. If we got that money back from them, that could be used to pay for infrastructure as well.
0: Mm. Uh, Adele, all really interesting ideas and approaches to the idea of, I guess, the bigger idea of uh, making sure there's enough money coming into government to do the things that we need to do and making sure that uh, we're asking people of means to to carry their share uh, of the of that burden. Um, and again those are those are the kinds of things that, uh, uh, that that progressives talk about a lot. We just have not had uh, the kind of legislature that uh, that would that would embrace those kind of things. Angela uh, I'll give you a chance to re- react to what Adele is talking about
2: her phrase crisis of austerity i think is right on um you know in governor Whitmer's speech last night she did a great job of laying out the consequences of eight years of that type of governance um you know our was it third graders in the bottom ten of the nation in inability to read um, obviously our roads our bridges our infrastructure is a mess um, there's no there's no upside to continuing that approach right uh, people are unhappy. Um, austerity is not, you can't cut your way to prosperity, right? And that's what we're seeing now. We have tried this. It is not working. We need to do something different. And continued obstinance uh, from the GOP side of the aisle is not going to be useful in getting Michigan back on the right track. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to continue our conversation about Governor Whitmer's priorities in her first year leading the state. Also, don't forget, if you have to miss any of the show, you don't have to miss out on the conversation. Just go to iTunes or wherever you download podcasts. You can download and subscribe to Detroit Today. You can take us with you and listen when you are ready. Stay with us, and stay with us on the phones. Neil at Selfridge Air Force Base. Keith in Harper Woods, Eric in Springfield Township, and Tom in Northwest Detroit, we will get to you next. If you want to join them, 313-577-1019 is always the number on the phones. We'll be right back with more Detroit Today. You're listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Steven Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. My guest is Angela vasquez giroux uh, She's a former journalist, sometimes political consultant, worked for state Senate Democrats, and is currently doing communications for Planned Parenthood of Michigan. Uh, we're talking about Governor Gretchen Whitmer's first state of the state address last night. How did she do? Will this mark a dramatic shift? in the direction of policy and politics in our state. We, of course, want to hear from you on the phones, uh, 313-577-1019, and on Facebook and on Twitter. In a little bit, we're going to be joined by Bill Nowling, Managing Director and Partner of Lambert Edwards & Associates. He is on his way here to the studio, delayed a little by the... Awful condition of the roads because of the weather uh, it has nothing to do with infrastructure <laughs> right now. It's it, it's hard to get around because they haven't really plowed or salted the way that they're supposed to. Uh, let's go back to the phones here. Um, uh, Eric in Springfield Township. Eric, welcome to Detroit Today. Well, hello. Hi. Yeah, I
1: just
5: have a quote, uh, uh, a comment on the uh, infrastructure bill, you know, that to fix the roads and stuff we have this catastrophic insurance fund which we have billions and billions of dollars in which we all pay which they raised it again and my
1: question is why can't we
5: use some of that funds which i think i heard the figures of 18 billion on NPR uh and we only paid out a billion dollars my question is why can't we divert some funds out of that catastrophic fund to use to maintain and repair bridges and roads
0: hmm. Uh, Eric, interesting idea and uh, something that I that I think uh, some people might support. Of course, uh, I'm not sure whether that will be part of the governor's plans. Uh, Angela, what do you think of that, that idea?
2: I think uh, if it's legal and if there's a will to do it, it would be a great solution. I don't know specifically if there are any types of um, restrictions on where that money can go but uh, there are, I believe, solutions like that that are possible that we just haven't
0: Investigated yet? Yeah, uh, Angela. Uh, to, to switch gears just a little bit, uh, the governor also talked about education and skills crises during the during the speech. Uh, she made some big promises about education and higher ed, uh, but also talked about the the sorry state of investment in K to twelve. What was your reaction to to the things she said about what we ought to be thinking about changing with education? I
2: think. Uh, I heard some echoes from her of the the 2020 plan um, that they introduced years ago in the state Senate. Um, I loved the the promise of two years of community college education for students who qualify in Michigan. Um, I think one great way to acquire some skills is obviously some higher education. Uh, I think, you know, she knows that funding K to 12 is going to be a priority and stopping the diversion of those school aid funds to other sources is going to be a big Uh, piece of that. Um, You know, she's also lived through the failed experiment of the EAA and these, uh, you know, treating schools like their businesses. Um, And again, I think seeing this shift in priorities from uh, treating the back end of our problem to just working for the people who are being impacted is we're going to see some bigger changes faster with that approach.
0: Mm -hmm. Uh, Let's go back to the phones here. Eric, uh, thanks very much for the call and the comments. Let's go to Tom in Northwest Detroit. Tom, welcome to Detroit Today.
6: Yeah, good morning, Steve. I, I thought the governor gave a good speech last night, and I especially like what she said, you know, without really going into, you know, all the um, dynamics, for lack of a better dynamics, about what she said about education. And, um, you know, and then I like the, the quote that I stuck with me, was she says, you know, and it's not the person across the aisle Uh, It's apathy in terms of, you know, who the enemy is. And she is so right. And I'm 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 either naive, which I'm not, but, I mean, I think that you can get a lot more done, you know, in terms of, you know, what we can do for the people if they would just stop this nonsense of, you know, political party fighting, Mm. you know, in terms of, well, what's going to benefit the people most? It's not a red coat or a blue coat. It's what's going to benefit the people most. Mm. And I'll be glad when we can move to that point, because, you know, I don't understand all of this angst, supposedly, that you've got to, you know, be. Because I'm going to go. I remember this one person who was newly elected as a state representative. She was a Democrat. And I told her, I said, don't go up to Lansing and put your feet and cast your feet in, in, in concrete. I didn't say cement. I said concrete because, you know what? I said the bottom line is the people in your district voted for you to go up there to bring something back. And if all you're going to do is just go up there and yell fuss and scream because you're a Democrat, you're useless. So, I mean, if you've got to reach across the aisle... Go ahead and do it. You know, like they say, you're going to attract more bees with yeah. uh, honey than you can with vinegar.
0: Tom, I, I appreciate the call and the thoughts. You know, Angela, I think this is an interesting uh, theme to emerge now, right? So uh, for the last eight years in, in Michigan, we've had all of uh, government under the hands of one party, right? Uh, uh, the governor both houses of the legislature were were under republican control you would think that uh, that might have removed this idea of of partisanship as an obstacle Uh, From the playing field. But, you know, if you had a conversation with uh, Governor Snyder at all in the last four years he was in office, he was as frustrated with the legislature over partisan issues as anybody uh, was. He he was unable to get uh, some some pretty significant things that he wanted done, uh, done, even though Republicans controlled. Uh, the, the legislature, now you've got a, a Democrat in the governor's office uh, and still a Republican controlled legislature. And I don't know, for some reason, it, it feels to me as though there may even be more opportunity for them to work together for reasons that don't have anything to do with partisanship. So uh, Gretchen Whitmer, the governor, uh, already has a relationship with Mike Shirky who's the Senate majority leader, because uh, they work together in the legislature. And the tone of her speech last night seemed to call a lot on um, uh, those kinds of relationships as as what she's going to rely on to actually get things done. I, I wonder what you make of that transition from all Republican government to divided government and whether this divided government may be more successful.
2: I think she witnessed, um, and we all witnessed, frankly, the very adversarial relationship between the governor and the legislature during the Snyder administration years, um, and then also the very adversarial relationship between the government and the people of the state of Michigan. Um, you know, there were from everything from the referendum-proof um, mm-hmm. bills they would pass to uh, emergency manager laws to sort of just voicing their will on people um, without much say in it. I think you'll see a big change from that. Um, you know, the, the target a lot of times of the, um, of the ire of the legislature, I feel like, has been completely uh, miscalculated. You know, teachers have been treated like the enemy of the state for a decade now, and they're not. The problem is not teachers, and teachers don't need to be punished. Um, what we need to do is give kids a better education. I think you'll see the governor pushing more for, um, here is the problem, let's solve it, instead of, here are people who I think are responsible and want to needle with legislation. Mm. Uh,
0: Again, uh, Tom, I really appreciate the call and the observation there. Um, Let's go to Keith in Harper Woods. Keith, welcome to Detroit Today. Hi. I thought uh, Governor Whitmer gave a great speech. It was uh, full of uh, big bipartisan ideas. Um, my main question is, uh, state, Senator Majority Le- state Senate Majority Leader Shirky said they wanted to make sure they were squeezing every penny out of the budget before doing anything else, and the Republicans had eight years to do that. Mm-hmm. At what point did the Republicans recognize that we need more revenue to accomplish things in the state? Yeah, uh, Keith, uh, great question, and I think uh, it's a question that lots of people have been asking for a really long time. I mean, there is this uh, very partisan position that Republicans at Lansing have taken, which is that there should be no new revenue uh, for any reason under any context, and I, I just think that's a, a really difficult uh, position to work with when you're talking about a state that has the kinds of problems with disinvestment that we do here in Michigan. When you think about the roads, when you think about the schools, and you think about uh, the other things that we ask government to do, we're not really paying for those things to function at the level that we might expect. Um, uh, Angela, uh, I'll, I'll give you the last word here on, on, on that subject.
2: Yeah, I think the color is right here. Um, It's just a, it's a nonsense position to take at this point. We have been cutting and cutting and cutting uh, services and budgets in this state for the better part of a decade. It's, it's not working. Um, We need more revenue. That doesn't mean that folks, you know, like the average Michigander subsisting on 40 grand a year or less, a family of five, you know, they aren't the ones who this money needs to come from. They're paying more than their fair share right now. There's plenty of, revenue in this state um, that we can start collecting. Half of our budgetary problems are that we don't collect all the revenue that's due to us. And, you know, that just doubles down on the burden for regular folks who really can't afford it anymore.
0: Okay. Angela vasquez Giroux, thanks very much for joining us here on Detroit Today.
2: Thanks for having me. Have a good one.
0: You too. Uh, I want to welcome now to the studio to continue talking about Governor Gretchen Whitmer's State of the State Address, Bill Nowling, who is the Managing Director and Partner of Lambert Edwards and Associates. Bill, welcome to Detroit today. Good morning. Yeah. Good morning. So let's, uh, now that you've navigated our bad roads, which are bad today because of the weather. Yeah, you know, how about some damn structure. salt on the, down the roads? That, that, <laughs> That's that right. we would... put the damn salt down, right? Um, I, I wonder what your reaction was, your overall reaction to Governor Whitmer's uh, address.
5: Well, you know, the this first address of any governor is really like a gimme. It's, you know, it's an easy layup. They, you know, they they have no uh record as They're not uh,
0: answering for anything.
5: They're not answering for anything. So you get a, you know, you get a really long view of what they want to do. And you know, I mean, I thought that it was I, it, it was predictable not in a bad way, but it was predictable in the sense that, you know, you've got uh, you know, uh a a progressive governor with a Republican uh, conservative legislature still, and so she, she can't go too far out and and propose things, but she's got to lay down some markers. On there, and um, you know, I, I mean, I'm going to put a plug in for the Michigan Merit Award because I see that it raised its head again last night. You mm-hmm. know, I mean, that was a good idea when John Engler proposed it and and put it in place. It's a good idea now. I mean, you know, that will reduce the burden that uh, young people have to entry into higher education, which is going to set them up for success. You know, throughout their life. And, um, you know, anything that we do to that to lower that, it makes sense, you know. So I applaud the governor for for doing that and, you know, would like to see it grow. And she's proposed to do that and would like to see how she's going to pay for that. I think, you know, I think that there is... uh, you know some willingness to do that. I was a little surprised that I didn't hear anything too much about early childhood development. I thought that that was something that um, I think you can get general agreement on in in the legislature about the, the the need to to educate early and and start to address some of the issues that um, that many students and many families face at that level. You can reduce it much more or address it much more um, efficiently and uh, cost-effectively by at that level than that later
0: on. Mm. I, I want to read a comment from a listener on Facebook and get you to respond to it, given that uh, you've been around Michigan politics for a long time, seen a lot of state-of-the-state of addresses from a number of different governors written a few yeah right (laughs) written a few right (laughs) dan on facebook says she said pretty much everything she was expected to say what she didn't mention was how any of this was going to get done fixing the damn roads bridges education etc all cost money that has to come from somewhere i guess we wait for her budget proposal next month and go from there there is this this sort of uh uh, debate, I suppose, about how much the governor ought to say in a state of a state address. Uh, Rick Snyder, who was the immediate past governor, did it a little differently than uh, governors before him. He was he was more specific often in state of the state than uh, than that his predecessors were. Uh, sometimes laid out very specific things that he wanted the legislature to do. Uh, now with Whitmer, it seems we're back to the other extreme. I mean, she really didn't address details of of any of these things. Where do you come down on on the role of that speech uh, in in talking about how to get things done, but uh, but but then backing it up with with specific proposals?
5: Well, I think that that is, um, I mean. Th- I, I, I think that that analysis is is an inside baseball analysis. You know, it's you know everybody says the devil's in the detail. Well, of course it is in the detail. I mean that's that's the whole political process. It's a battle of how to distribute a fixed amount of resources and who gets those resources and how much. I mean that's what that's the that's the classic definition of what politics is, and so I you know there's going to be a battle over how these things get handled and and funded and that you know and that is to come i think that the role of the state of the state really is to set the tone and and really show people you know this is where we need to go you know and you heard the governor talk last night about you know you know we disagree on how we might get there but we all should be agreeing on where we should go and that's the tone that she wants to set and that's really you know people hold the state of the state up to this high level of what it's going to to be and it's and it's not a cookbook you know it's 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 really a vision statement from the governor about where the state is now an assessment of where the state is now and where you know the governor where she would like to take that state going forward um, some people do it with varying degrees I mean if you know Rick Snyder Rick Snyder's all about about those kind of details but you know at the end of the day the the leader the governor has to articulate a vision in that speech and that vision has to be one that you know is is true and authentic to to how that person got elected, but also recognizes the limitations and the reality that they're in. I mean, you know, you talk about Republicans don't want to raise taxes, and that's true, and I think that their their positioning has become calcified without much reasoning behind it now. But Democrats don't want to raise taxes either, and especially outstate Democrats don't want to raise because taxes because they don't
0: want to answer to voters. About because they
5: don't that. want to answer to voters, and you know, and 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 some Democrats, and especially uh, in in safe Democrat seats, you know, will face a you know they'll vote for a tax increase, and they'll face a challenge from the left that they didn't vote for a big enough tax increase. Mm. You know, and it's it's the reverse side, you know. And we've turned this into, you know, talking earlier about, you know, what a crisis is. And a crisis is really just, you know, it's anything that disrupts the normal course of business and that was unplanned for. And to me, the crisis is in leadership. We've turned we've turned politics and and legislative politics into a zero sum game instead of a non zero sum game. And you know that precludes us from getting to the
0: point to where we can find solutions. Hmm. Uh, let's go to uh, the phones here again. Neil at Selfridge Air Force Base. Neil, welcome to Detroit Today.
3: Hi, Stephen. Good morning. Thank you for taking my call. Sure. Um, just wanted to chime in. I know uh, the staff there, I mean the guests there, have spoken a lot of different things. Um, I wanted to go back to what we talked about before a few weeks ago, actually maybe a month or so ago with your that representative out of uh, Shelby Township. We were just having a discussion about gas tax hmm. and The gas tax, uh, I was doing some research on it, and they collect the gas tax at what they call a terminal, which is where they go to get gas to take it to the gas stations. But the problem with that is that that creates a loophole where there are some companies that go to the refinery to get their fuel, and then they sell it wholesale to companies like FedEx or Mm -hmm. Mm UPS, and they don't pay the gas tax. That's the problem, I think that's a, a, a an issue I mean I, I, is, it, is it possible I could be wrong? Yes, but I don't believe that I am
7: mm-hmm.
3: um, and it, since that's the case, to me, I think a big way to fix it is collect the tax at the refinery itself, so that everybody who gets the fuel from the refinery pays the tax pays the tax and people aren't uh, companies, corporations, aren't skirting that.
0: Yeah, Neil, the I, issue. I I appreciate the call and and the, the, the comments. Uh, I don't know enough about the way the gas tax works to, to say whether Neil is right. I do know, though, that uh, there are pe- – people have talked for a long time about loopholes, right, uh, ways around that gas tax. Uh, Bill, I wonder if you can shed some light on, on how that works.
5: Well – good morning Neil you know you know I think you you're right there is a there is a, a, a fleet loophole that exists at, at some level and you know and I think it comes down to a tax fairness issue uh, because the size and the amount of it is um, you yeah. know it, it certainly would add to the pot, but I don't think it would make, you know, a substantial difference. I mean, the, the vast majority of, of tax revenue is driven by residents, Michigan residents buying gas. And that's really where where that revenue comes from. And, you know, uh, they pay taxes and trucks pay t- taxes in different ways that than ordinary motorists don't do either. So, I mean, that go to the roads as well. So I think that there's, you know to do that, but to talk about loopholes, as you, as you mentioned, I mean, what, you know, what's, um, someone's ox that they want to gore is someone else's, you know, yeah, no,
0: I think it's hard to, it's hard to, to do it,
5: you know, and all, and all of these loopholes or subsidies or, or carve outs start with great intentions. You know, they're trying to address a problem that exists and, uh, and they, they get in there, but the, pro- the problem is, is that they don't get out, you know? and you know this is this is what you know i think a, a lot of you know what i would call sane minded conservatives struggle at with when we talk about revenue i don't think you know any conservative thinks that you can run a government without revenue hmm. but i do think that we you know we're continually asked to fund the government of 40 or 50 years ago you know we we we've got three and a half billion dollars worth of work just to fix the roads. That's not even talking about how do we make the roads ready for driverless vehicles. Right. right. And
0: the kinds know, of we, massive upgrades and changes that will have happen.
5: Sure. To th- and things that are coming fast. And, you know, those are the things that we've, we've got to look at. I mean we can continue to keep funding that. And, yeah. you know, and that's what I say, that the crisis is in the leadership, not in the roads. Yeah. And, um, you know, the inability to
0: address those issues. Yeah. Okay, Bill Nowling, uh, Managing Director and Partner at Lambert Edwards & Associates. Glad you made it here, and thanks for being with us on the air. Yeah, great to be here. All right, up next, uh, we are going to talk a little more about education, talk about a new report that looks at teacher retention rates in Michigan, which are also uh, maybe in a crisis mode. Uh, stay with us on Detroit Today. Detroit <laughs> Today Listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET, I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. Of course, Governor Gretchen Whitmer's state-of-the-state speech touched on education, but it was good timing because the Citizens Research Council of Michigan recently released two reports that represent useful benchmarks for how poorly Michigan is doing educating its kids. One looks at Michigan's leaky teacher pipeline and problems with teacher retention The other looks at what has happened in two Michigan communities since their school districts were dissolved under the Snyder administration. Let's take a listen to what Governor Whitmer said yesterday about our education system being broken.
2: Our students are not broken. Our teachers are not broken. It's our system that has
1: been broken. And while we can't fix it overnight and greater investment alone won't be enough, we are going to do it.
0: Uh, it's. she said that uh, we're failing failing teachers, uh, was one of the things that she said, that it's not their failure, it's ours during the speech. Uh, joining us now to talk more about these reports and about uh, the governor's address uh, are Craig Thiel. He's the research director for the Citizens Research Council of Michigan. Craig, welcome to Detroit Today.
7: Good morning, Stephen. Thanks for having me.
0: And uh, also with us is Chastity Pratt-Dossie. She's a reporter with Bridge Magazine. Chastity, welcome to Detroit today. Hello, Detroit. <laughs> so let's start with uh, these two reports, uh, Craig. Uh, they don't they don't paint a very flattering picture of uh, two pretty critical uh, areas of education in in Michigan.
7: Well, as you know and your listeners know, teachers are the most important input in a child's education. Both during the time that they're in school, but also building those skills and uh, abilities so that they can be successful after school. And so we've heard uh, time and time again uh, from pockets across the state about teacher shortages. So the CRC decided we're going to dig in, see what data is out there, if we can support a you know statewide. Shortage, and you know if there is one, what are the kind of components of it? You know, where is it located? What are the dimensions? Uh, who's it affecting? What schools? What communities? Um, and that's what our report came out uh, with, and uh, we released that uh, yesterday when the state of the state came out. Um, it wasn't designed that way, but that's just how it came out. <laughs> uh,
0: and in these reports, we you you talk very specifically about things that I think have systemic context uh, for for the way we're dealing with education and they kind of point directly to things that we're just not thinking of in constructive ways.
7: Well, I agree. I agree. Um, I'll go back. Uh, I know you kind of built up uh, a little bit about the teacher turnover issue, and that's one of the the items that we've found somewhat problematic with our, our pipeline right now is a high degree of teacher turnover, both teachers moving from uh, one school to another, but also teachers leaving the profession altogether in this state, Um, compared to uh, national averages, uh, we're about 25% uh, greater teacher turnover uh, for the most recent period than the national average. Now, obviously, each district, each school is going to have a different experience, but as a state, we clearly have a teacher turnover issue, um, and it's grown over time. back uh, a little over 10 years ago, we were closer to the national average when it came to teacher turnover, and it's grown over time. And uh, this is really something that uh, we should put at the front burner of a of, of variety of uh, education issues that the state is grappling with.
0: Mm. Uh, Chastity Pratt-Dossi, talk about how these things play out in local school districts, uh, like Detroit, uh, where I, I think we often or almost always see the the negative policy decisions at the state level uh, have a real impact on, on families, on low-income families.
8: Right. So what we're seeing and what uh, Craig and the Citizens Research Council has uh, so aptly uh, researched and found is that there's a, a group of issues, I, I, want, I can't even say a triumvirate, it's more than that, it's like three, four, five things all happening at the same time. You have schools that, schools of education, teacher prep is down as, as far as training people to be teachers. There are fewer people who wanna be teachers. That's one problem. Then you have retention as low. like Craig was saying, people are coming into the profession and getting out real quick saying, woo, this is not for me. Then there's the shortages that come from all that, right? In Detroit on any given day, their 100 schools need 200 teachers. That's each school, on average, being short two teachers. And that creates a lot of uh, just issues in classrooms. Classroom sizes are larger. Kids have more needs. Other teachers who are there are stressed out because they're overworked. Um, and then there's the issue Craig could probably talk about. Uh, you're going to see in coming years at least half of our teaching ranks across the state are going to be retirement age. Now, what are we going to do? Right. And, of course, these issues are, this is a statewide problem, but, of course, they play out in real, in worse ways, in the schools that have the neediest children.
0: Yeah. Uh, uh, Craig, talk about the things that need to change in order for us to have reports that tell us something a little better about about these issues in Michigan.
7: Yeah, so... Um, you know, I'm a data geek. I'm a policy nerd. Um, more information is always better. And one of the things that I I uncovered in, in looking at this from a statewide perspective, I don't want to discount the the, the stories from Detroit or Flint or Lansing, or you know, Oakumis or East Lansing up in my neck of the woods that are dealing with teacher shortages. But you know, those are largely localized issues. I I tried to expand the the uh, kind of the aperture, if you will, of the analysis and looked at, you know, what's going on statewide. And what I found was we're really lacking the kind of data to really define this problem from a statewide perspective. Um, So, you know, one of the first things I think we need to do as a state is to um, collect the data, uh, the information in a timely, relevant fashion that can help inform uh, policies going forward, whether or not we're talking about you know, recruitment into uh, teacher prep programs. Whether or not we're talking about uh, what's, what, why are people dropping out of teacher prep pro- pr- programs? Uh, if we're talking about issues uh, with hiring, onboarding uh, teachers, maintaining, uh, keeping uh, teachers in the workforce uh, beyond those, you know, first few years where there's a high degree of burnout. Um, you know, those are those are all issues that can only be addressed. Uh, problems that can be uh, answered uh, with with better data, and I just think we we could do a much better job from a statewide perspective. This doesn't just mean state government. State government obviously can play a role, but uh, a state effort with everyone who every stakeholder uh, to provide the information so we can kind of sketch out the nature of this problem. You know, chastity talked about um, uh, the work current workforce. There's kind of a a a bulge in the the middle age group of of our current workforce, it's going to be retiring in the next 10 to 12 years, and that's going to create some real challenges um, to fill those positions uh, on top of, you know, just the regular uh, positions that are going to to open up because of of, uh, changes that we've talked about with turnover and... uh, teacher mobility.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, Chastity, we've got about a minute and a half left. Uh, It it seems forever uh, since we had a a decent conversation at the policy level in Lansing about actually fixing these things, right? Right. Uh, There are arguments that take place. There are accusations that get leveled uh, uh, about whose fault it is. But it's really hard to move into the space where we say, "Okay, this doesn't work, what we're doing, and we've got to do something fundamentally different
8: right so Ron French had a really good story in Bridge uh, magazine this week about the state of the schools and I I want everyone to take a look at it because it's really comprehensive Mm -hmm. and it goes to some of the stuff that Craig and CRC has found but you know uh, one thing that Whitmer said was that you know teachers students it's not your fault this is a leadership issue and so if that is the case how do you solve this I would submit after you know looking into schools for 20 years my question is what do you want from your schools michigan what do you want from your teachers and then works, you know, in, in that direction. Do you want your teachers to be trained in XYZ? Do you want your teachers to be paid amongst the highest in the country so that you can attain and retain talent? What are you going for with your teaching ranks? And then order your steps. Because right now what we're seeing is people uh, bickering and dickering about what's what's going on in, in little silos. Oh, you know, we have a teacher shortage. Oh, we have high classroom sizes. But really, what is the goal? Let's come up with something that we want to do and, and move in that direction if we want to increase our teacher ranks by 20 30 percent over the next 20 years then you know then we that's a goal Mm -hmm. it can be done Mm -hmm. but I don't know that there's a goal right now in our leadership or uh, as as it pertains to uh teachers or as honestly as it pertains to education in general in the state
0: Uh, the governor did say that uh, they want to raise College attainment in the state to sixty percent by twenty thirty, mm-hmm. uh, but again, this was that's a, an increase of thirty uh, percent. It's thirty percent is a lot, of, <laughs> right. uh, and it's a speech. It's not a, it's not a proposal. It'll be really interesting to see what she says about how we how we get there. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Craig Thiel is research director for the Citizens Research Council of Michigan. Craig, thanks for joining us here on Detroit today. Thank you, Stephen. Also, Chastity Pratt-Dossie, reporter with Bridge Magazine. Thank you for being here.
8: Anytime.
0: All right, that's going to do it for us today. I'll be back tomorrow. I hope you will, too. This is 1019 WDET, Detroit's public radio station, a community service of Wayne State University. See you tomorrow.